Hi, this is AJ Bingham, and I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Regions Financial Corporation. Regions is a different kind of bank, with branches serving Central Texas from Austin to San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley. Regions can assist your firm with its M&A and investment banking needs, as well as specialty finance in the technology, healthcare, defense, and aerospace sectors. Learn more about Regions at www.regions.com, and you can find more information in the episode notes. Now on the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group. Our guest today is Bree Brown, VP at JLL, a commercial real estate firm, a global real estate firm mm-hmm. uh, with offices based uh, here in Austin. And welcome to the show, Bree. Thank you so much, AJ. Happy to be here. Uh, well, I'm glad you can make it. You source from your time. Um, one of the things uh, what kind of caught my eye this last month uh, was an article you were quoted in that mm-hmm. talked about the uh, comparable or almost the equivalent prices for real estate, commercial uh, rentals rather, um, between here and Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And along those lines too, just the lack of commercial rental spray space in Austin. Mm-hmm. And I know that's an area you are focused on as a tenant rep for JLL. And I wanted to bring you in to pick your brain on just the state of the Austin market now and then where we're going you know, down the road. I think a lot of times people, the focus is on, I mean, probably rightfully so, on just the housing, the lack of housing. Yeah. Um, but not realizing, too, I mean, those jobs are coming here where else people are going to live and how those it's, you know, factors in that cycle of pricing for everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can, before we get into that, I want to get some of your background and just briefly, and, you know, your, your entry into the commercial real estate market is not a... You don't see a lot of women overall in that space and love to get just your how you got into it. Absolutely, happy to. Um, I have been with JLL since 2012. Uh, my degree is actually in architecture, but I wanted to get into something different. And so real estate just really saying true, you know, kind of merged architecture and then, you know, something more people-based and kind of getting out there in the community. And um, I was pulled into the industry via a mentor of mine, Alicia Ragusa. Uh, she is a... A phenomenal woman who did very well in brokerage and um, you know 80s 90s really set a name for herself early on when women just were not in this industry and um, she and I met in an event and she asked me to come and work for her uh, so I sent in my application kept following up with her you know did all the things wrote the notes um, sent the emails made the calls mm-hmm. <laughs> and eventually she had no choice but to offer me a job at JLL and so um, she's uh, been a phenomenal woman in that she's made an intention um, and really made an effort to try to get women into commercial real estate and she got several of us into the industry before she retired and so I really respect that about her and she's the reason I'm here at JLL um, and I've been with the company. Uh, I'm one of the few millennials that uh, this is my first job out of college and I've stayed there for Mm -hmm. the past seven years. Um, I've really loved it and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to continue working there. I focus primarily on office representation, um, which usually encompasses professional service firms, technology firms, or predominantly who we work with, um, but it covers an array of different individual industry types. All right, well, very good. So let's get to it. The current state of Austin's commercial market, commercial rental market, how, how are we looking since next year? Or where are we now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so right now, overall, our average vacancy percentage in Austin is 10%. 
Um, and just to give you an idea of how that relates, this time 10 years ago, our vacancy percentage was 22%. Um, so we've cut our vacancy more than half already. Um, and a lot of that as a result of, you know, new construction is being developed and we have these large floor plates available, um, uh, or a few of them anyways. And these larger companies from Silicon Valley or from other markets are moving into Austin and taking the available space that we have left. And so we've seen several case studies around town and unfortunately I can't mention names, but um, we've seen certain you know, top eight tech companies coming in and leasing full buildings. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that happen numerous times, especially near the downtown submarket, but even southeast, northwest, um, we have these big powerhouse companies coming in. And what I think is interesting is that commercial real estate, in my opinion, sort of tells what's going to happen in the residential market later on, because oftentimes these companies are looking for office space um, before they even mention it to their employees and start having people moving down here. So a lot of times you can look to commercial real estate to figure out what's going to happen in the uh, remaining sectors following it, you know, residential real estate, as well as just other industries, because they're all going to react to the supply um, and demand, you know, that this uh, that these companies are bringing to Austin. Yeah, so you mentioned just, I know some of the developments going on downtown, uh -huh. where, um, where are those kind of, where other parts of the city are you seeing more uptick in growth, just given kind of maybe the, the constraints on even downtown, right? There's only so many places you can build, mm -hmm. right? And there's yeah. a few spots we know, you know our, office, our office is downtown, so we can mm -hmm. see our window and see the cranes. Yep. But overall, I mean, our areas like the, the, the Domain in North Austin, um, see an uptick there, and then you know, just where else you're seeing some maybe not obvious places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, domain, absolutely. You, of course, have seen all the buildings that are going vertical over there. Um, I would say right now, one of the most popular submarkets would be East Austin, mm -hmm. and um, so downtown historically has been, you know, the barrier, so to speak, have been 35. You know, the lake, um, more or less Lamar. Uh, or at least Shoal Creek and um, the northern boundary of the capital. But we're starting to see that so many people, because of the congestion that we have in terms of traffic and then just limited availability downtown, people are starting to make that jump across east uh, or I-35. And um, so there are two developments that just delivered, Plaza Saltillo and then 901 East 5th. Both of those are already, uh, I believe they're already 100% occupied. Um, I know Plaza Saltillo definitely is, and there was another new construction project, 1801 East 6th as well. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there's about at terms 100% um, on that project as well, if not maybe 2,000 square feet left or so um, over the whole scale of the project. Um, so as these buildings are delivering, they're just getting gobbled up extremely quickly, um, whether it's by um, you know some of these larger, more household names, or it could even be... Um, local law firms or uh, other tech companies that just want to get in on the cool, funky lifestyle that you can have in East Austin. So mm -hmm. that's really exploded. I would say even five years ago when I was around Austin, um, there were still more warehouse conversions, things like that. And people were interested, but still a little hesitant because they, for the most part, consider Austin a little seedy. But now I would say it's absolutely a co competitor even for the domain um, and for downtown. And um, rates are still a little cheaper over there, but very comparable to downtown. Uh, I would say parking is probably the biggest advantage to going east. Mm -hmm. like for um, now, right? For now, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I would say East Austin is probably one of the biggest um, sort of new developments that's competing for downtown, and then also you know things that are going on at the domain. But the biggest challenge with the domain is it's really catering to those 
household names um, in, in larger tech companies, and it's hard for a smaller user, um, especially under you know five, ten thousand square feet, to go into the domain and actually find something that um, they can occupy as a result. Um, you know, of competing with these full floor, even half building users. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the earliest you had a client book something up? Like, I mean, so basically. You get you get word that some property is getting some dirt is getting turned, a tower is going up someplace in Austin. And I mean, how soon or how fast have you seen? Uh, if you can share that, you know, just clients uh, go, you know, buy that uh, buy that property or, or that property. You I say lease that, it up. Lease it up because, yeah. for example, I you know, I live in Mueller, mm-hmm. Mueller the Mueller development, and there are houses that weren't even I mean, up yet. Yep. This the plot, and they're already sold, and it shocked me because yeah. I'm not home yet. It was just. I was like, wow, you can do that, right? I mean, you just, or you're, I'm doing that side of the scene. I've seen the plans. I'm, I want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, the, that's, I know that's the state of the residential market. And I just was curious what's the equivalent of the commercial side. Yeah. So every once in a while, you have that tenant that looks at, you know, either going developing something for themselves speculatively, or um, if there is a building where there it's proposed and they start, you know, turning dirt on it. Essentially, once they start that construction process and they have their site development permit in place and everything's good to go, they have all their construction documents, etc. Um, once they start, you know again, just turning that dirt, that's when the interest really starts to pick up. Um, It's sort of a catch-22 because a lot of developers want to wait until they have an anchor tenant to start building a building. Um, I think a lot of lessons from 08 were learned, but at the same time, tenants need to see that dirt turning and that something's moving on the site in order Mm -hmm. to make that jump and say, okay, you're actually gonna deliver in your timeline, whether it's 18 months or 24 months, uh, which is the typical timeline that we refer to for new construction projects. Which, on that note too, it's not so much in y'all's domain, but it definitely relates to conversations I've had uh, around city development and permitting. And Mm -hmm. the average time for builds (laughs) in Austin is about, for those who don't know, is about the 18 to 24 months. So Mm -hmm. if you're being conservative and um, I know in other markets are you know, peer markets in Dallas, for example, it can be a little, or, you know, a few months less, six months less to a year, depending just because mm-hmm. of nothing new with y'all. It's just, that's just the Austin market in the Austin yes. way. Yes. For now. Yes. <laughs> Permitting is always a really fun conversation to have with clients. Um, even when it comes to, you know, building out their interior space, we still have to go through those same challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there are other things on sites. You know, if there's existing sites that need to be demolished and all this other stuff, you know, that, of course, can add on some time. Um, but, I mean, as an example, Plaza Saltillo, they were already starting to go, you know, they had a hole in the ground and they were just starting to go vertical. And then they leased the entire building before, um, I believe, before it topped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it topped out, of course, meaning when the structure fully um, reaches its height more or less before you know the window um, glazing is on and everything else so uh, again the, the building shell was in place and it was already 100% leased uh, there are buildings that you know there's one that's super popular right now next to the library mm-hmm. um, that we all know a large users going in there and obviously that was 100% spoken for before <laughs> it even yeah, it goes up so yeah, only certain, certain, certain mom and pop companies that can, uh, can do that <laughs> right exactly it's a gamble too but you know that's just exactly yeah so moving on how does the uh, the next five years look just based on numbers seeing, numbers you're seeing now and i always hear kind of talks of a, a potential you know market correction yeah it's relative yeah. ross i mean i grew up here i mean even during the recession in 08 and you know, early 2000s um it wasn't like our market you know just maybe because of ut and because of kind of the historic industries here mm-hmm. right Out, outside of tech and everything else just Personal services and you know uh, banking and everything else. It's it was relatively I mean insulated. And I did see some projects that 
you saw you know, these top of the shell and that was it for a few months or a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but just what are you seeing the next five years? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head and that Austin really is a LIFO market, last one in, first one out of a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of that is because of our diversification in industries. Uh, UT absolutely plays a role in that because so many companies want to co-locate near um, a, a large university like UT. So that brings a lot of interest here. We have the state and government agencies, you know, um, technology now more pharmaceutical with Dell Medical School there. Um, and so again, to your point, there's just a lot of diverse industries that are going to keep Austin sort of going, um, even if tech sort of pulls back. Obviously, it'll have an impact. But um, for the most part, I think the quality of life and the desire to be in Austin is still so strong that it'll help protect us from a lot of um, whatever happens on a national level. Um, I'd hate to play, you know, uh, or try to predict the market per se. Um, I'll leave that to the finance professionals, but I would say crystal ball on the the commercial side is still hazy. Um, We're seeing that rates are still continuing to increase. I mean, from this time last year, um, our rates have already increased about 23%, uh, which is crazy to think about over the uh, average of the market um, in one year. That's quite astonishing. And... um, so everything is telling us things are going to keep progressing, keep increasing. Uh, we suspect that there is a plateau coming at least because we don't think that rents in Austin can necessarily keep up, um, especially on the local level. I mean, some of these companies coming out of Silicon Valley, uh, they can afford higher rents, mm-hmm. but a lot of the local shops are struggling to increase what their hourly rates are, whatever their revenue is as a result in order to keep up with that rent increase. Mm-hmm. So I think at some point, either Austinites or the companies, or there's gonna be a breaking point where people just say, we can't continue to pay these increase in rents, so things will start to plateau. That's just my guess, um, and, and obviously it's what I hope eventually happens because I'd hate to see you know, Austin as such a great culture and such a great community of local um, companies, and I would hate to see some of those disappear just as a result of the increase in rents, and so I hope we can figure it out as a city. Um, but that would be my guess, is that eventually things plateau here in the next five years. Um, I don't see them decreasing, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Do you, do you see, speaking of, uh, back to Dell Medical School, mm-hmm. I know there have been, there's, discuss, there have been talk, I mean, discussions currently about, you know, an innovation district around there and what that could bring. And I know right across the, the new Dell Medical School, um, they have the Brackenridge Tract, right, the, old, or the city's old municipal hospital. That's mm-hmm, going to be yeah. redeveloped at some point. And the ERS building I, I, as yeah, well. Yeah, and so that offers just some, you know, some downtown footprints that, you know, large tracks that didn't exist. But I think the whole plan, right, is to create a new biotechnology district kind mm-hmm. of centered in the hospital. I know there are examples of this in, uh, in Massachusetts and Cambridge around mm-hmm. there. And are you seeing, I mean, is there interest from people in the industry looking at that as those develop? Absolutely. Um, Most recently, I was working with a client uh, that very much wanted to come to Austin for the sole purpose of Dell Medical School and the University of Texas and everything that has to offer. And um, their boundary is very different. Most people want to be downtown. You know, the 6th and Congress or, you know, the heart of downtown is obviously shifting towards the lake, which is interesting. And so that's where you would think predominantly more of the tech companies would want to be, be located um, for walkable amenities. But these other companies are now coming in, especially related to pharmaceuticals or, um, you know, really anything, a healthcare related technology as well, um, wanting to be co-locate kind of that area between MLK and 15th Street and mm-hmm. um, like you're saying, the innovation zone. And I think that the improvements they're going to make north of the capital are going to have an impact on that. Um, you know, they're trying to make it a more walkable the pedestrian. Capitol mall, right? Yeah, the Capitol Corridor, I think they're going to. Congress, mm-hmm. 
going up to uh, right almost the Blanton Museum right across from yeah, the Mulcahy. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think that'll have a huge impact in what happens over there. I think it'll make it much more attractive. Um, I will say a year and a half ago, maybe two years now, whenever um, I was first working with a group that wanted to look over there, um, comments were made where, you know, it's still a little sleepy. It just doesn't feel cool and vibrant like downtown does, but it's located where we want to be within close proximity to the Stell Medical School and their new developments coming up at that time was the ERS building um, and then also 410 Uptown were two buildings that were t- being discussed in that area. Um, and so th- those were the biggest down downfalls, I would say. It's just um, it felt sleepy. It was a little more quiet. There weren't many walkable amenities. So I think they're trying to address that with the Capitol Corridor, which will be a huge improvement for the office um, culture there at least. Uh, another concern was just parking because a lot of those garages that are located there, they're all entering out at five o'clock. earlier. And so, you know, I think those are some challenges, but I think people could definitely get over those so long as there's more pedestrian um, walkable amenities in the area. So I think that'll absolutely change that whole um, that whole section of Austin. And I think that'll be a new development that we'll start to see um, coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, though, I come back, the, the late comment got me. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, the Austin, the Austin American Statesman tract, all the south, south mm-hmm. of the front, yeah. that's going to be, I think, a, a game changer for the city too. Or, I mean, the skyline, of course, yeah. but that for those who don't know, I mean, it's really, it's already starting now with the building going up next to the Long Center. Yeah, on River, South, River South. River South, and uh-huh. then everything, you know, going east, right? So the the Austin American Statesman building is our, is our city's newspaper. That's been, mm-hmm. process being sold, but it's the footprint of the building and the property and it's on it's just, it's just on the south shore of Lake Austin or Lady Bird Lake rather uh-huh. um, and that's going to be you know we've seen Mixed plans development. yeah I've seen the, you know the plans and those can change obviously but that's going to be I think a, a definitely a game changer for the city in terms of what where it is downtown right, right. Absolutely. And um, yeah, to your point, I mean, it used to be that 6th and Congress was sort of the heart of downtown and what people, where people really wanted to co-locate. And over the years, as lifestyle has become a much more prominent um, concern for many Austinites, it's shifted towards the lakes because obviously people want to be located to nature. They want to have the ability to go walk the lake and just get out there, get healthy. Um, I think River South and the Statesman side are great examples of that trend and saying, okay, well, now we're even jumping the, the, the lake, which at one time was just not anything mm-hmm. people would have thought of. Um, you know, we have very few office sites available south like Oracles, of... Oracles over there. Yeah, absolutely. Now they're south one, of right? the lake. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. their kind of starting yeah. old trend over there. Mm-hmm. And there's some smaller buildings, like right across from the Palmer Center. Um, you know, there's the one Texas Center, but mm-hmm. um, not anything that your big tech companies were excited about going to, more or less. And so now you have River South. And uh, what's interesting is, um, you know, there's already a law firm that's committed to River South. And it's just, it's not even necessarily tech companies now that are pioneering these new locations. You're having professional service firms that are going out and looking east, looking south of the the lake, which wasn't happening about a decade ago. And so it's interesting to see that now everyone's sort of bought into this, hey, we can look just outside of downtown and still be okay sort of mentality. Um, But yeah, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more, uh, especially rainy um, and then also more areas along South uh, uh, Austin that are going to start developing as well. Because I think, again, that's just been an area that hasn't really developed so far. Um, what I think is, and of course this is a topic for many Austinites that they are concerned about, is what do we do about traffic? Mm-hmm. And as everyone knows, you have to get to Cesar Chavez in order to make that HOV lane. 
And I think with the new built, you know, the large mom and pop shop we were talking about earlier, right on the lake, um, next to the library, that's going to be a huge building. I think in the next um, couple of years with all the new developments delivering, we're going to have about 7,500 more people on the roads. And you can imagine how many people are going to be um, either coming north if you're south of the river or heading south from other parts of downtown mm-hmm. trying to get onto Cesar Chavez, trying to get to that HOV lane. Oh, um, and now we're going to have, <laughs> I, know, I feel like the burden oh, of bad news right now, yeah. but and then we're going to have River South that's developing, potentially the Statesman, potentially more proposed developments in Rainey. Um, and then, of course, that, that mm. large site next to the library. And I think all of those are going to have an impact on what's happening. And that's why I think it's another reason why we need to address um, transportation as a whole. But uh, I, I think that'll be something where I'm curious if that deters or moves this heart of downtown, which has shifted south towards the, the, the lake, if that's going to change where that um, it shifts next as a result. I don't know. It would be mm-hmm. interesting to see. Two more tracks. I just thought about one Texas Center was where mm-hmm. the permitting department right now is located. That they're moving that they're all moving out of that building mm-hmm. moving north to Highland, so that's going to I think potentially be open. And then Austin Energy is actually moving into Miller, so mm-hmm. that property and that's next to where we work already on Barton Springs Road is going to be open. Yep. So, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> it's going to be they're interesting. Like, we're going to get out of here. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, moving on. So yeah, I think besides, uh, I think obviously tech is moving to Austin in a large way. What other sectors are you seeing getting most activity from from tenants? Yeah, um, we're seeing a lot of life science companies coming in, you know, pharma, healthcare, um, and then also co-working is really ticked up in Austin. Mm -hmm. I don't think that surprises anyone, you know, the success of, um, you know, some of the the more recent co-working groups that we've heard of around town. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I can't name them, but uh, there's a lot of those coming through that are wanting to get in on the action, uh, get on that short-term uh, train more or less to offer people space. Um, so for those of you that aren't or that that um, are not aware of why co-working has become so popular in Austin, it's because as the comp or as the market has tightened and as vacancy percentages have decreased, um, sometimes there's just not the space available for these smaller users. Um, or if there is, you know, landlords uh, trying to increase the, the the value of their buildings want that premium rent, or they want um, at least a five to seven year lease term, um, sometimes even a 10-year lease term, especially if it's a new construction building, um, in order to, um, uh, you know, again, just get the valuation that they're looking for of their buildings. And so as a result, these smaller tenants, especially tech companies that are in these this prime growth phase that don't necessarily have, uh, maybe they have a budget for it, or maybe they just don't have the capital to go out and bu- build out this, you know, fantastic looking space, because there's going to be money entailed with building out a space as well, whereas we work at, or I'm sorry, co-working companies in general are saying, um, hey, we have this space available for you. Uh, you can you know, move right in. It's already built out. You, know, you already have a receptionist, so to speak, a printing area, a break room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a large capital investment a lot of times for them to provide that culture without having to go out and build it. Um, and so, again, I just think that that has become so popular because you can go in and do three months, six months lease term, 12 month lease term, 18 months, whatever it is, it's a lot more flexible. And they're able to, you're paying a little bit of a premium, but at the same time, you're getting that cultural experience that otherwise you'd invest a lot more into in a, a, a typical office environment in order to build that out and construct it. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, definitely offers, offers more flexibility. So how are millennials impacting Austin's commercial real estate uh, market? Yeah, so um, we actually, I think that came out this morning that we had an article uh, that JLL basically studied uh, several different markets around the nation and found that um, Austin, as it relates to other markets, uh, our buying power as millennials is a difference of about 9000 almost $9,500 um, just under uh, in our market compared to others. And so what that means is that they have much more um, 
uh, liquidity and able to go out and spend their money on things that they enjoy doing, whether it's um, uh, you know, going out with friends or hitting the lake, whatever it is, sports, et cetera. Um, and that factors in the cost of living um, as it relates to Silicon Valley and all these other markets. And so a lot of millennials are wanting to come to Austin because their money can go further is what that's basically saying. And they can still have that quality of life that um, a lot of millennials are looking for right now. Um, it has the social aspect. It has the lifestyle aspect of you know being healthy and everything else. And I think people, are, especially millennials, are drawn to Austin. And so a lot of these companies know when they want to open an Austin location, they're not going to have any, any any issue getting talent here from a millennial perspective, at least. Um, more often than not, I hear of a company that wants to move to Austin, and they say, well, half of our teams are already just chomping at the bit to move to Austin. Um, they're just so ready to be there and they're gonna move regardless of whether or not we pay them to. Yeah. And so you have a lot of companies with, with employees like that and it doesn't matter if they're you know from Silicon Valley or um, from the Northeast or what have you, they're all excited and you know the idea of coming and moving to Austin, they're like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And so while you know Austinites are really concerned about our increased cost of living um, compared to the rest of the country, we're still doing pretty well here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's very attractive for the millennials. Um, and and uh, I think it's just something that you know we're going to continue to see more surge of millennial base here. And of course, we're just going to have to figure that out as a city. But I'm sure we will. That's definitely that's more of a policy question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thankfully yeah, for those yeah, yeah. But and it, yeah, more just, space. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so advice for companies, uh, which you already do, for, they're looking at Austin. Mm -hmm. you know, let's say your these are this is a kind of setting it like a mid-sized to large companies looking to come here, knowing kind of about the discussion we just had, like what. Which you they're looking at us as a market, right? Would you advise them on broadly, not giving you know all your secrets away? But just start earlier than you would think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Three years out, two years out. Um, I would say it, it depends on really where you want to be in the Austin market. Um, but if you want to be downtown, I mean, as an example, we just finished up a deal where um, this group isn't moving in until January of 2021, and mm -hmm. we just finalized their deal. Uh, so, you know, it really just depends on how big you are. There's so many different factors, but I would say at least a year in order to be downtown. Um, again, we've had some clients that start looking out two years, three years in advance. Uh, but I would say at least a year. Uh, give yourself that time. And then, um, you know, there's that old saying in commercial real estate that a deal will die four times before it makes anyways. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just realize that this is a highly competitive market and you're not looking at a single space that there's not at least four other tenants looking at. And so, you know, you need to move quickly and sometimes there's nothing you can do. You know, it just kind of depends on um, the the uh, landlord's appetite. They have the ability to sort of select which one they want to go with, which is a, a crazy thought, um, you know, when it comes to credit worthiness and all these other things. So just be prepared, be patient, and kind of go in with a hard shell knowing that Austin is a challenge. It can be a challenging market. It's very worthwhile once you get your space. I mean, it's everyone loves it here. Um, but just don't let that dissuade you. And, um, you know, just, again, plan earlier. Ask a local tenant rep about what the rates are. Um, people are always surprised about what Austin costs, um, especially in the past few years as it's increased. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, we are still cheaper than Silicon Valley, but let's just talk about you know the value of that really quickly and mm -hmm. um, you know what that discount actually is. It's not you know as as, as wide of a gap as it used to be, um, and then also just anticipate parking needs. Yes. It would be my biggest thing. Yes. A lot of companies, you know, they just, they don't think of that on the front end or they really want to be downtown and then we get into parking and they're like, well, maybe some of these suburban options where parking is still We've free. We've been talking about that in the <laughs> office ourselves yeah, about that. Yeah, exactly. So I understand that. Parking needs for sure. So for companies looking to reach out to you for to answer those questions, mm -hmm. what's the best way to contact you? Uh, via email, probably. Okay. Yeah. Which we'll is... have that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. 
Excellent. Well, Bree, thanks for giving us some of your time and your insight. We'd love to have Anytime. you back on the show as uh, Austin continues to develop. Great. Thanks for having me, AJ. Hi, this is AJ. We want to again thank our sponsor, Regents Financial Corporation. With branches serving Central Texas from Austin to San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley, Regents can help your firm with its M&A and investment banking needs, as well as specialty finance, the technology, healthcare, defense, and aerospace sectors. Learn more about Regents in the episode notes. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.